Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. A new series today called Stand By Me or titled Stand By Me. It's going to be a five-part series, longest one this year. And so if you think back uh, to the year, if you've been consistent here at all, it is it essentially talked about the pursuit of purpose into FaceTime. And this series builds on FaceTime. So how do we abide? How do we stand by? When, when God says, abide in me and I'll abide in you, it's John 15, 4. That's the, essentially the cornerstone scripture of this series. If you'll abide in me, I will abide in you. And so when we think about that, abide, when you Google the word abide, it's super unique because all you see is church terminology when the word abide is used. And so I want to talk about the definition really quickly just to add some clarity to what abide actually means. And so the definition, when you look it up, it says to accept or act in accordance with a recommendation, rule, or decision. And that makes a little more sense to us. And the second one says, uh, to continue without fading or being lost, to continue without fading, abide, remain, remain. And so, again, that's pretty clear, but then let's look at some synonyms to figure out why we call this thing stand by me, okay? So stand by me or abide, the synonyms are obey. We talk, the Bible is full of, full of obedience, like if you will obey, remain in me, right? Follow, remain, hold to. And if any time, I know you guys are on your phones constantly, that's totally cool. Anytime I screenshot this stuff, you totally can. And if you're like, I'm not going to do that, but if you would send it to me, if you'll just email me, uh, dusty at thegrovefc.com, I'll send you the notes. And so to remain, to keep to, to hold to, to adhere to, to stick to, to agree with, consent to, uphold, to accept, to respect, or to stand by, which is where we got this series title, Stand By Me. So you can do anything on the face of the earth under one condition, Right. You can do anything on earth under one condition. You ever heard this? Like uh, Axton right now, he's our fourth, and he is just now starting to stay in his bed all night, like consistently. He'll do it like he'll be a two-on, three-off type of kid, and then uh, he's been really good. So two days he hasn't, and I'm like, he's like, can I have gummy? He loves gummy worms, gummy bears, whatever. And uh, he's like, Dad, gummies. And I'm like, one condition, right? You sleep all night in your bed. Like I'm, I'll hammer you with these things in the morning, okay? But you sleep all night in your bed, you can have a gummy. So you can do anything in life under one condition, and that condition is to abide, to remain in me, and I will remain in you. And so the big idea is we face so much in life. Heather touched on that before we worshiped, and I love that song. I love opening a series with that song because it talks about the evidence of God in your life. To have the evidence of God in your life, you have to abide in Him. You have to remain in Him. And so the number one reason for our success is undoubtedly the relationship, the connection, the tie that we have with Jesus stand by. And so abiding does not mean sitting idly by, idly by though. That's, I think that's where we might miss it in Christianity. Uh, it means resting in the work. It means resting in the moment. It means resting in the truth. It means resting in the confidence that God is who he says he is, that he is our peace, that his presence, the power of God's presence is what abide is all about. His presence, that his provision, that his truth, that his way is the best way. When he has his way in our life, that's when good things really start happening for us. And so the more we abide, the more his grace and his power transform us into his image. So the more we connect with him, the more he transforms us. 
The other word for that is change. Nobody likes change. So I'm going to say it's going to change your life. He's going to transform your life. And if you've seen the movie Transformers, you know what that looks like. So here's a quote that, uh, that I love that, that meant a lot to me when we were putting this together. And here's what it says. It says, there's no condition of life in which we cannot. There's no condition in life which we cannot abide in Jesus. We have to learn to stand by him wherever we are, wherever we are. And so I want to talk through John 15, 4 really quickly. By the way, the story we're going to use over the next five weeks, this is the, this is the message to kick this thing off. So there's going to be lots of scripture and lots of depth here. And you probably figured out that I'm not the typical pastor, preacher, teacher. So John 15, 4 says, live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you. This is the message translation. So here's what that means. It means take care, take, take care be intentional to live in me. Make your home in me. I don't know if you guys like, when you walk into your house, you kind of know where everything's at, don't you? Like you can get up right now in the middle of the night and make your way to the bathroom without stubbing your toe, right? Now, the first time you lived in your house, you couldn't do that, right? It was phone with a flashlight, making sure, or you just stubbed your toe, probably cussed about it, okay? And then you did what you need to do and then you went back to bed. The more at home you are in God, the more comfortable it is, but the more you know, like the more confidence you have. I can sprint to my house right now in the middle of the night. One, because the moon's so bright. But if it wasn't out and it was cloudy, I could still sprint because I know my house. I know my house. So he's saying, make your home in me just as I make my home in you. God wants to make his home in you. His presence is everything. And so that means we must invest. So if you're going to plant, you can't, you can't harvest what you don't plant. You can't harvest what you don't water. So it's an investment. It's an investment. And so then you have to allow God to work in your life, which is two-part you're going to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what that means is, is Savior is great. We love that because it gets into heaven. But Lord means we're actually going to start to follow and live like him, right? And so here's the second part of John 15, 4. It says, for a fruit or for a branch cannot produce fruit when it is severed from the vine, nor can you be fruitful without me. And I think we look at that a lot of times. We go, yeah, yeah, but I'm not a tree. And so whatever, okay? And here's the reality. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes. This is obvious. In John 15, we see this referred to as a vineyard a lot. And so um, it's the only way that it's produced, but it's, it's a tree. You can put any fruit on this branch if you want. But it says, in this, it, this is it. The same way a branch cannot bear grapes, a vine cannot bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. It has to be joined to the vine to bear fruit. So what this is saying is in this, it's same for a branch cannot bear fruit unless um, it is with God. So you can't do anything without me. You can't bear fruit unless you abide in Jesus. You can't bear fruit unless you remain with God or stand by God. So it's great to receive salvation. It gets you into heaven, right? But the reality is that Jesus' resurrection reestablishes your relationship with God. And so he sees you when, when, when you believe Jesus has essentially died for the sin of the world, and you accept that as a fact, as the truth, because it's in here, and there's only one God, one creator that numbered the hairs on your head, all of those things. When you realize that and you accept Jesus, how God sees you now is not as a sinner who is disconnected, but he sees you as reestablished as a son or a daughter, and he sees you through the blood of Jesus. He had this real thin layer over top of you because you called on his son to save your life. And then your life begins to bear fruit when you abide. So transition from believing to becoming is a big deal. And becoming is really the difference between Savior and Lord, right? I believe, now I'm going to become and it's not uh, an either or, it's a both and. It's, is my Lord and Savior. And that's church terminology. It's on your card. I think it says receive and follow. Um, there are several words you can put in those places, but that's it. 
It's one thing to receive. It's another thing to follow. And following is all about abiding. And so here we go. The big question is, how do we do that? How do we abide? How do, if I Google abide and I saw the definition, I see that. How do we do that? And so today it's very practical, very practical. And we're going to use the example of Mary because she got it right. Okay. So Luke 10, 38 is where we're going to be. And we will reference this. You guys can go through this story over the next five weeks and pick it apart because we're going to. And so verse 38 says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them in. Martha welcomed them in. Okay. And her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. Now, I'm going to hang right here for just a second. Mary and Martha were sisters. They loved to be busy. They loved to do. They had a higher standard, a greater expectation, right? They loved to do things and do things well, okay? And so in verse 39, it says, her sister Mary sat on the floor listening to Jesus as he talked. This frustrated Martha because they were, they were together, right? So like we have two older boys and two younger boys. They're still figuring out, but the two older boys do everything together, everything. If one's not, one's upset that the other's not doing what the other one's doing, right? And so Martha was the jittery type, and she was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus and she said, sir, just super polite, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord says to Martha, and there are so many different versions, he says her name twice, and it's not in this one. This is the living Bible, by the way. He says, Martha, and it's almost like he gets her attention and he says, Martha, dear friend, you are so upset over all these details. There is really only one thing worth being concerned about. That's what abide is. There's one thing you can do anything under one condition. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and so it will not be taken away from her. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's only one thing worth being concerned about, your relationship with God. From that flow, all the fruit, life, transformation, your life, your connection allows him to be the source for good in your life. Your disconnection means you're disconnected and apart. You can do nothing. And so here's the only point. A good message always has one point. If it doesn't have one point, it is pointless and you're wasting your time. And so there's one point for today's message. And there will be one point and one action step all a series long. And here it is. To abide, we have to relax. We have to relax. We see Mary take a load off Annie. We see Mary take a load off right? Here's the reality with that. It's one thing for me to say it from up here because you're not going to get offended. But man, when somebody tells you to relax like this, like face to face, that would fire me up. Okay. Whoa. You just cross the line, sir. Okay. Don't tell me to relax. You relax. Right. And so we have to be willing when we get in our own space to relax. Mary and Martha are in their house. You know that Mary had a lot of stuff that she wanted to do to make sure this was a wonderful experience. But she was actually willing to go, you know what, I'm, I'm okay to just sit at Jesus' feet. I'm okay. And so if anybody's ever told you to relax, I understand, and I will laugh with you and not punch those people in the face, okay, because they don't mean any harm. All right, verse 40, we see that Martha just needs to relax. Martha just needs to relax. Lord, don't you care that my sister, who is concerned as well as I am in having things done well, has left me to serve alone? So, so dismiss her then. What she's saying is dismiss her to come and help me. Dismiss her to come and help me. Now, here's the question that I'm asking Martha and I'm asking you. Who defines what doing things well means in your life? Who defines that? Well, for me, this I relate so much to this story. That was me. 
And according to my list, I would let you know how well I was doing depending on how much I got done and how good it was done and how many people were happy with what I got done because of what we did and who we helped, right? And so you have to define who determines who has decided how things are done well. Who says that? Who set that standard? And more times than not, you just have to look in the mirror because it's you. It's you. God says you're good enough just as you are. Just as you are. There's nothing else. So if you just sat here all day long and you actually fell asleep right there, God loves you the same as if you got up and accomplished 73 things today. Okay? That's not an excuse to be lazy. That's an excuse to be a son or a daughter. Does that make sense? And so, so Martha's complaint made it really easy to see that she was distracted. It made it really easy to see that she couldn't see the most important thing because she had her mind on every other thing that was happening. She's also the one who welcomed him in, Right? Let me create something to do. Let me welcome you in so I can create something to do so I can be in my comfort zone of doing. And then when my sister's not here to help me, when nobody's here to help me, then I want to complain about it, right? Anybody ever been there? I know I have, right? And so she talks like she's upset with her sister. Otherwise, she would not have asked Jesus to help her with the matter. He's the, he's the authority in the house, right? And so what we need to see is, is this with Martha, and this is with us too, Excess concern and pursuit of performance or accomplishment is often the reasons for disturbance in our life. It's often the reason for strife, for discontent, for anything that's causing friction in a relationship that we have. It's our concern and pursuit of getting something done or doing something because I want to win you over or I'm afraid that you won't see me as, as well, right? Also, the other thing in this is those who are eager to chase completion, to chase performance, um, to create the value of hard work means I'm only going to have people around me that value hard work. And so if they don't value hard work, then what do I say to them? You can't hang with me, right? And so when we're eager to chase completion and focus on personal performance, those people are normally the ones that are the first ones to complain, to blame, or to criticize those who aren't doing the same thing, right? But who created that bar? who set that bar, right? So then they justify themselves and their actions, but they're ready to condemn those who will not do or say or go as far as they have. The people who neglect to take opportunity or, or to be a part of the busyness, they all of a sudden become an anchor to them as opposed to being a helpmate, right? And the problem is they've created the value of doing, and if or when you can't do like them, they don't like you anymore. Now all of a sudden you're a problem you were just the greatest thing on the face of the earth outside of pizza, right? And so they go to the do, I'll do it myself mode. Here's what Martha saw though. Martha saw um, her sister sitting down. So that made her angry. What the heck? Like I thought we were in this together, right? And so she appeals to Jesus and she assumes that Jesus is going to take her side because she's actually doing something, right? And she's being upset. And it seems that Jesus, when he talks to her, you see it in the living Bible. He says, Martha, dear friend, He's very tender. He's very concerned. He's a guest in her house, right? She welcomed him in. She expected that he would tell her sister to get up and go share in the work so we can all do this together, right? And, and Mary liked things done well too, right? Here's the thing. When Martha was so busy, when she was so busy, she must have Mary, Jesus, and everybody else care just as much about her busyness as she did or something's wrong something's wrong. Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah, come on. And so take note here. I want, if you're taking notes, you can take note here. Those who are not always in the right, and you know these people, 
Those who are not always in the right are the quickest to appeal to Jesus. They're the quickest to go, but God, but God, right? Acts 20, 28 says, take heed to yourself and then to the flock. Jesus was in the house, right? And so in case, and the real is this, we need to take heed to ourselves in case at any time we expect Jesus to support our unbusiness, right? Martha could have very easily done what Mary did. She could have set everything aside, right? Her worries, her cares. She could have got a fruit tray from Kroger and a meat tray and set it out and been like, it's good enough, right? This is my, we live here. Like we had people over this week in our house. We have five kids, so it's a mess. I'm like, hey, this is our house. We live here, so it's going to be a mess. Come on in, right? It's not like, oh, oh no, everybody's coming. Like, let's make our house look like it never does, right? So anyways, 1 Peter 5, 7. The, the thing about this is this. She could have laid aside everything and just sat at the feet of Jesus like her sister. And what you see Mary do here is what we see in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. For he cares about you. And so Martha's wanting God to relieve some of the cares that she has, some of the bar that she's set, some of the, some of the issues that she's created or the jobs that she's, the tasks that she's done. And, and the reality is this, the cares, in this, in this verse where it says, cast all your care upon me for I care for you. The cares which we cast upon uh, that God gives us can be given back to him anytime. That's what he's saying. Anything that I've given you, if it's too much, and God will never give you too much to carry, but anything that I've given you, you can give back to me at any moment. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to carry them because I care for you. But he doesn't tell you to give the cares that you foolishly draw upon yourself. Hey, God, I've created this big issue and this big mess, and this is getting really heavy. So if you could help out here, wait a second. Are you with me? Do you understand? Are you walking? Is this built on a principle? Did you invite me in from the beginning? Right? And so here's what you need to see is Jesus will always, 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 I could say that 78 times. Jesus will always be the patron of the poor and the injured and the homeless and the lost and the down and out and, and, and the ignorant. He's always going to be a patron for those people, but he will not be a patron of, of hurtful or unstable people who go back and forth. The Bible says, be hot or be cold, but do not be lukewarm, right? And so what you see is Martha appeals to Jesus, right? And he gives judgment against her. He says, Martha, he corrects her. Martha, he corrects her. And though he was a guest in her house, what he shows her is it's her fault that, that she's doing too much. Hey, you're trying to entertain me, and I'm just trying to impart the gospel here, okay? You're trying to do stuff that has no impact on the kingdom, on heaven whatsoever, Okay? And so you're doing too much. And she expected that she would justify, that he would justify her in her doing because it was for him, but he didn't need that. I mean, neither do you. All you need is Jesus. So he checks her for it. And when he checks her and he says, hey, you're lost in all these details. There's so much going on inside your head right now. Hold up, right? Come on back down here, right? And he provides an opportunity for Martha to get right right? And so here's the thing, as many as Jesus loves, he also humbles. As many as Jesus loves, he also humbles. And so even those that are, that are dear to him, if anything is off in them, when you're abiding in Jesus, if anything is off, right, he's going to help you get it corrected. It's not a lightning strike from heaven. It's a, hey, it's a soft whisper to go, hey, you're off one degree here. If you just get this back, this is the path. 
Because this one degree, if you stay here, is going to take you way over there. And that's not what I have for you. If I'm not abiding in Jesus, I don't know that until I get there. And then I blame him because I'm there. As opposed to going, hey, all right, all right, I hear that, right? And so then, this is the bonus of abiding. It keeps you on the path. So many scriptures, God lights your path. He directs your steps. He orders all of those things, right? And so he speaks earnestly and deeply concerned for Martha's well-being because he knows, hey, that's all a waste of time and it means absolutely nothing, right? And so people who are entangled in the cares of this world are not easily disentangled, right? It's a process. And if you're here for last week's message and hearing Dennis speak, I think it's such a beautiful picture for how God meets you right where you are, handcuffs or not, okay? And takes you on this journey into this place where there's complete peace, even when you don't know what the next paycheck is going to be or the next tank of gas is going to come. There's a peace that comes with God. And he said, if, if I provide food for the birds, won't I provide for you? There's a peace in going in that, right? And so the process of getting out of the stuff that you're entangled in is not a one-day thing. That's what we want. We want Christmas, right? Many people pray the prayer of salvation thinking it's going to be Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! And I crossed the line to heaven, and now I'm here. And they just think that, that all their debt and their past and all those crappy relationships and all those things are back there, and that's not it. It's a process to get out of there. And over time, your light becomes brighter, and you begin to see a little bit more like, whoa, that person's not healthy to be around. Wow, I shouldn't have bought this car. I should probably sell it. This is stupid. This is too much. I, don't, I can't even pay for this, right? And you see all those things. And so you must accept that there has to be a transformation that takes place inside of you, that, that receiving Jesus is not just enough. Abiding and following him is the way. And so Jesus noticed Mary or noticed that Martha was troubled about many things, many things. And most of those things are distractions, by the way. And so he was not pleased that she thought she had to please him with great entertainment or that she was pushing herself to accomplish it. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're in the kitchen right now, and I'm talking, right? And he was not that type of person, but even Mary figured that out, right? And so G Jesus corrects her for both the intenseness of her care to do something that didn't have anything to do with him, and the extensiveness of it, that she would stop and go, hey, I need some help, when it should have been flipped, right? Which led her to be disappointed in herself and... I'm sure nobody's ever been there. And so we're all, <laughs> the reality is, is we're all troubled and we're all divided and we're disturbed by our cares, which lead to our disappointments. When, when we hear Paul in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, give me those cares. God says, give me those cares, especially busy. I didn't give that to you to care about or to carry. So then lay it down, lay it down. There's an amazing song by United Pursuit called Lay It All Down. If you want to listen to that this week, it will be amazing if you find yourself in this high stress, super, super busy, accomplished world. So the thought on this is who told Mary or who told Martha to be so busy? Who told Martha to be so busy? She did. She created an expectation that she couldn't fulfill. And naturally, she didn't have enough time or energy to do it, right? And so if you remember, I teach this on a regular basis. Our expectations, our expectations lead to our greatest frustrations. There are so many times, guys, in my life where I've done something, I put God's name on it, and then I've got mad because he didn't do what, what I told him to do. The reality is, is, wait a second, I created that expectation. That was me. That wasn't God. And again, you don't know until you get there that you're like, oh, wow, I probably shouldn't have done that. I really thought I felt good about that, but we're not led by our feelings. Feelings are an emotion that we create in our mind, right? 
there, it's not a heart thing. It's not a spirit thing. It's a soul thing. And so our expectations lead to our greatest frustrations, which keep us from relaxing. And relax is just the word, but keep us from taking it easy, from taking a load off, from giving, giving away the things that we don't need to be carrying, right? And so it's not about lowering your expectation. That's the thing. It's, it's not about lowering your expectation. It's making sure it's realistic. Is this realistic? I'm the worst at setting an unrealistic expectation. Just to set the bar so stinking high and so far out there and let's run to get there, right? And while we're running, I need to hop in a bulldozer because there's so much crap in my way to get there, right? And then when I get there, I'm like, wow, this isn't anything that I thought it was going to be. Why? I, I said that. And so it's not about lowering your expectations, making sure it's realistic. It's keeping the process in perspective with the people, with the people. We're only good as the people who are around us anyways. And so no task ever should ever, ever take priority over a person. And so Martha expected Jesus to blame Mary for not doing as she did, but he blamed her for not doing as Mary did. And so we can look at Mary in this and be like, man, it's amazing. And the reality in this is the judgment of Jesus is always going to be according to truth. It's always going to be according to truth. It's not going to be judgment because X, Y, or Z. It's going to be truth. It's going to go back to this book right here. And so the day finally come that Somebody got Martha's attention, and she realizes that she needed to be sitting right next to her sister instead of being busy, right? And so it's hard to posture ourselves like Mary, especially when the list is long and the daylight is short, right? Well, I, if I don't do this today, I got to do it tomorrow, and I already got all this stuff, all this stuff tomorrow, and so then I got this, and so that means I'm to bump this, this, and so I just need to stay up later, so I don't need to get very much sleep, and I'll just have an extra cup of coffee, and we justify, right? Right? Uh, what's the word? Not justify. We rationalize. We rationalize. Here's what's good about the word rationalize. You'll never forget this. You tell yourself rational lies. We rationalize. Well, I'll, uh, if I can just do this, this is justification, right? I tell our kids when we're disciplining, the moment that you have to justify something, you're wrong. You're guilty. If I ever come in to correct you, if God ever says, hey, remember that? Remember that scripture in John? Remember that? And you go, well, but guilty. The moment that my kids start to justify something, the moment that I start to rationalize something, I'm lying to myself, right? And so I think the, the whole hope, the whole goal from this is that we would posture ourselves like Mary, especially in our time with God. We have to, because verse 42 says, Mary discovered what mattered most. And because she did, because she did, Jesus said it would never be taken away. She discovered what mattered most. You can do anything on the face of the earth under one condition. Abide. Abide. Stand by me. And so what matters most is your relationship with God. And it's, it's in him that fuels you. That fuels you. It's not Red Bull or the next episode of Beastmaster or whatever, whatever Netflix show. Our kids would love Beastmaster right now. So it's not that, Dad, Beastmaster today? No. Okay, no. So many times in scripture, Jesus goes away. He goes away to get alone, to get quiet with God because God was his source. So he could connect with his father. It's those quiet times that he had that were his source of strength. It's your quiet time with him that is your source of strength. He's the example that we follow. And so this is what Jesus is telling us in John 15 as a whole. And I'm just going to give you the first eight verses and we will close. Okay. John 15 says, I am the true vine. So then remain in me. I'm the true vine. You cannot bear fruit unless you're connected to the vine. I'm the vine. And my father is the vineyard keeper. Revolutionary. So my father keeps the whole vineyard. That's great. And we are the fruit of that vine. That vine is Jesus. And so as we walk as examples of him, we bear much fruit. 
Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, he being God. And he prunes, pruning process is a brutal, it's a grizzly bear, okay? And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. This is so good. This only happens by abiding. God can only speak to me when I'm in relationship with him, right? If I haven't talked to my wife in four days, you know, after we get over the I miss you and the I love you, there's going to be a little tension like, hey, I've had, I've had five kids for four days, so I need you, right? And so you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you just as a branch is un, unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. You come off. You are the sprouts. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. So then going apart from God, the fruit you produce is yours. That means you're being God, not him. And so then you can't give him credit for something you did and you put his name on. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather and they throw them in the fire and they are burned. Good news. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, my words remain in you. This is where you're going to find me, okay? Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Wait a second. Ask whatever I want? Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. To make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. To be a disciple, you have to follow. You have to abide, remain. If you remain in the Word, and I'm going to talk to you about this is our action step today, or maybe next step. And so... We all need to be connected, connected to God. It's, it's that FaceTime that we just came out of, that four-week series we just came out of, is what standing by, is what remaining in, is what abiding is all about, right? And so remember, um, I'm going to close with this. The number one reason for success in life is because you abide. You can do anything under one condition, abide. So the only point today is relax. And Mary was our example of what it meant to relax. And so how we remain in, in Jesus, how we remain rooted in relationship with God, if I could recap, is this. Be relaxed. What do you mean, be relaxed? What is the less anxious? So what? Be less anxious. Here's what you need to understand. God's not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. We are. This is what stresses us out. We create the timeline. God's not in a hurry. Be less anxious. Abiding in God means resting in God's timing and trusting that God's timing is perfect, that he's in control, that he's in control. Why? Psalms 46.10. Why would, I, why would I relax? Be still. Stop your striving. Let go of your concerns. Cast your cares upon me. I will care for you. And know that I am God. I got it. I got it. Right? How do I do that? Come into your daily time under control. Under control with peace. Not like uh, I did a fly. A guy has to keep his, uh, he's a pilot. And so he has, to, he has to fly so many hours every so often to keep his license current. And so... He just works on touchdowns. So we take off and we go around and he just comes in and he touches the ground and he takes back off. You have to do 10 of those. You can't come into your quiet time like that. Hey God, all right, see you later, I'm back out. Right, you can't, you can't, you can't do it like that, right? Peace of mind, peace of heart. Here's your action step. What does that mean? Yeah, really the action step for FaceTime is intentionally unplug every single day. Every single day. You guys know there's 168 hours in a week right? This is one of those. So there are 167. You're walking with God. You're abiding in God by yourself without this moment, right? And so start with one minute. This is how I started. I started with one minute. 
and you're going to work up to 15 minutes a day. You can work up to three hours if you like. He, he's really fired up for whatever. Here's what you need to know. This is not you doing something. God's going to stoke that fire. God's going to prune you in the process. He's going to grow you. There's going to be depth. And in that, that one minute will turn into two, and two will turn to four. And before you know it, you're like, hey, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be in the, I always say I'm going to be in the basement. I'm in the basement. And so then with that, you're going to trust, be 100% present. That's FaceTime. Be 100% present, right? In person, 100% present. And you're going to lean into your time with God. That means no media. When I'm scrolling, I'm not present. When I'm driving, I'm not present, right? We talked about that quite a bit in the previous series. Being 100% present means I'm sitting, my eyes and my ears, we have two eyes and two ears for a reason. We listen more than we talk, right? And so here's how we're going to do that. Here are your next steps. Uh, these are nine. There's nine steps here if you're taking notes. And this will be one slide. And then we'll pray. How to relax, how to abide. If you, I'll remain in you, if you remain, if my word remains in you, if my word remains in you, if my word remains in you, here are the next steps. This is how to be intentional when abiding, when connecting, when living in a real relationship with God. First, first point is this, find your place. Find your place. Location is everything. Sitting on the couch, watching Thomas a train with a kid jumping on my lap is not the place. It's not the place. For me, it's my basement. Find your place. Your location is 80% of your success. Identify your start. Identify your start. It's a big book. They're really big in the back. By the way, if you need a Bible today, please take one. They're yours for free from us for you. Identify your start. Well, Dustin, like, how do I read this? I'm not sure. Find your place. I would say the New Testament is the best. It starts with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can start in Matthew. That's where, that's where so many people start. If you're a type A person now, you're like, ah, I need some meat and potatoes. You can start in Proverbs. That's where you gain wisdom and understanding. That's, that's everything that Proverbs is wisdom and understanding. And so identify your start. Proverbs, the Gospels, Acts, the New Testament. The Old Testament is amazing. We learn so much from the Old Testament, but we live in the New Testament. We live there. Jesus came. And so we live in the New Testament. You need to know who Jesus is. If I'm going to become more like him, I need to see his example. You're going to find that in the New Testament, okay? Number three, be intentional. What? That means do it slowly. No touchdowns, right? Do it slowly. Don't be in a hurry. And don't try to read too much. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get to do this again this week. No, I've already put this on my calendar, right? My, my chair time, my prayer time, my worship time, everything I do relationally, everything I do with Heather is on my calendar. Put it on your calendar. Be intentional. Be intentional. Don't try to read too much, right? Oh, well, I read 73 things and I'm, I'm just a mess right now. I don't even know what I read, right? So then the next thing is when you're being intentional, stay here. When you're being intentional, picture yourself there. I'm reading this today and I'm gonna read it until I can be there. I wanna be there in person, right? God gave you five senses for a reason. He gave you an imagination, use it. Picture in your mind. Number four, read without stopping. This is really hard, especially if somebody texts you or you got an update on Clash of Clans or whatever game you play on your phone, right? Oh, somebody built it. I don't even know what the game is, so I'm probably speaking way out of turn, but ignore all media, ignore all updates, read without stopping. Don't stop. So Christians will do this. They just stop in the middle of the golf on a study. Oh, that's cool. Wonder what that means. And then we never go back and finish reading. Just read without stopping. Number five, read for joy. Read for joy with an expectation. This is a relationship. God's gonna speak to you today. I can motivate you guys, I can inspire you, I can do so many things, but this is the only thing that really matters in your life, this. This is what transforms you. Dusty doesn't do that, okay? 
Uh, six, don't be afraid to highlight. Man, make your Bible your own. I should probably, that's probably the point. Make your Bible your own. Write in it. Mark it up. Make it used. It's the most selling book in the whole world. You can have another one. You can have one for free today. Mark it up. Make it yours. Because when you do that, you see the places that God speaks to you. And then you remember, I like to color code when I highlight. And so I can go back to a Bible. When our kids turn 10, I give them my Bible. And I get a new one. And I highlight. I give them that. So I can go back to the book I gave Oscar. I decided I was going to do that um, when he was seven. And so for three years, I just had this Bible. When he turned 10, I gave him my Bible. But in those three years, I could go back. And if it was an orange highlight, I could tell you, I could take you right back to the season I was in. What God was doing in our marriage, what he was doing in our family, what he was doing in my life. Highlight, mark up your Bible. Uh, read aloud, but do it quietly, right? Something happens when you read out loud, it just, it sinks into your heart just a little bit deeper where it's not surfacy, but it gets planted. This improves your comfort, uh, concentration. It helps you understand better as you go. And when you hear what you're reading, it, again, it takes root. Number eight, do it in an orderly manner. Don't be all over the place. If you decide to read one chapter, read that chapter. You want to know how I read? I read one chapter a day, and then I read it again. And the second time I read it, I highlight. And the third time I read I read the highlights, and then I write about what God said. And that's reflection. And then number nine, let it transform your life. The, the biggest challenge every Sunday is, do you believe this enough to let it transform your life? Do you believe this enough to let it transform your life? The power of God's presence, the power of God's presence begins with relaxing and just being. Heard me say it, being. You're a human being, not a human doing. Martha was doing. That's a big ditch. Okay. God created you. He called you into existence. That means you are to be. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.